0: to the third episode of Starts at the Top, our brand new podcast about leadership, digital culture and change. I'm Zoe Ammer.
1: And I'm Paul Thomas. This podcast aims to bring you interviews with leaders from the public, private and third sector who are using digital to navigate uncertainty and forge a path to the future. And a big thank you to everyone who listened and shared last week's episode with Dr. Maria Maffedon. If you do like what you hear, please do subscribe and share. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and would love it if you would leave us a review. So how are you, Zoe? How's your week been?
0: It's not been bad. Um, A big reflection for me from the last week, and I don't think this is just me, it seems to be a really common theme of a lot of discussions I'm having with other people, is video call overload. And I was speaking to someone at the the weekend who does a very senior, very professional job who was talking about how uh, their workload had got to a point where they were doing video calls literally all day. To the point where they were really struggling to find the the headspace and the time they needed to do the, the deep work that's really necessary for their job. And I found over the last few weeks as well that I had got to a point where I was quite possibly scheduling too many Zoom calls into my day, much as I love to talk to other people. And this week I'm making a deliberate choice to be a bit more boundaryed about that and to set aside some time to do some thinking and, and planning and really give the, the, the best value that I, I can to people by taking a, a step back and, and shutting myself away to do some creative thinking. And I really hope that that we'll get to a point as part of remote working being such a big part of many people's lives now that everyone is is going to be a bit more thoughtful about this online meeting culture that we've developed and whether that really works for productivity.
1: I think you're right. And I think I saw some noise on social media over the weekend um, based around the ideas from this very podcast, episode one with um, Simon Blake where he was talking about Mental Health First Aid England's decision uh, to cut Uh, meetings to 50 minutes and half hour meetings to 25 minutes just to give people that space to sort of just a toilet break from time (laughs) to time but a toilet break a a coffee break or or just a breather between meetings I think it's massively important Uh, and I saw a couple of uh, organizations talking to him over the weekend on social media about adopting that idea and 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 and, and, and trying to do that but I don't think that's anything new And, and in fact um One of the things I was trying to to get through at Grant Thornton was this idea of creating a meeting calculator so you could actually uh when you when you put a meeting together and you said right I want these five people or these six people into in in a meeting and I want them for an hour the outlook calendar would tell you what the the cost of that meeting was financially for the cost of those people to be on that call for an hour or for an hour and a half but what we don't calculate is the 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 sort of the mental health implications of of being on those calls and being in those meetings and running around like a like a mad idiot like I felt today a little bit um you know cooking uh, schooling trying to to get work done and as you say I think the biggest worry for me is the deep work
0: yeah I think that's a, a, a big challenge at the moment isn't it especially those of us who are juggling children and, and homeschooling and jobs or, or even just caring responsibilities so what news stories have caught your eye this week Paul
1: actually the Facebook boycott and then the subsequent announcement by Mark Zuckerberg in terms of how I feel about this, and this is obviously the the announcement that Mark Zuckerberg has reacted to uh, the boycott and many big organisations. I think um, one of one of my favourites and yours, Ben and Jerry's. Uh, so Unilever have, uh, was probably the biggest name that pulled all advertising from from Facebook uh, because of Facebook's lack of interest or lack of responsibility around flagging and removing. Uh, posts particularly posts that were offensive to black and minority accounts and people um, particularly from the US president haha ha, again and the, the reaction to it has been quite strong from a number of different brands but I think it was Unilever that drew the biggest line in the sand by saying that they were going to remove all advertising from Facebook until the end of this year which I think is an interesting move.
0: It's a really interesting challenge, isn't it? And I, I don't think there's an easy way through it. You know, I think a lot of people have seen the stories about Facebook over the last few. Because, because this is 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 not news, is it? And ov- obviously, the, the 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 kind of crux of that was the whole Cambridge. Analytica story and I have noticed more organizations are asking questions now about using Facebook and their reliance on it and and that to me is is the big part of of this problem that So many organisations, very understandably, have a very high dependency on Facebook. It's got a very sophisticated advertising platform. Uh, You can, for a charity, for example, uh, there's lots of things that you can do with it around reach and fundraising and getting your brand out there. Obviously, what's behind the curtain on that is these concerns about The algorithm. So it's going to be really interesting to see how Facebook handle this and where they go from here and whether there is going to be a commitment to look at that algorithm and do things differently because certainly the the pressure is on with this one.
1: Yeah and that pressure comes in the form I think I've seen some reports that say that seven billion dollars has been wiped off Zuckerberg's personal fortune but then other commentators saying that it's not the big brands that facebook makes its money from of course it does make an awful lot of money from the big brands but it is those smaller businesses uh, smaller charities the the bakery at the end of the road that are reliant on the platform and in fact some some small businesses entire digital presence is through facebook and through social media they don't actually have websites and, and other things that the, the big organizations might have i think i think as well it's big brands making that decision This week or in the last few days, whereas, you know, Facebook's policy was changed overnight, but it was Facebook's policy yesterday and the day before and the year before that. And now brands are taking the opportunity to sit up and listen. I also think there's a bit of an issue around having this stance at a time like this after the pandemic and and what we've seen with COVID-19 because it was only in May that I saw lots of press about advertising spend being pulled back across the board from big organisations. So I hope this is a a real uh, challenge to Facebook and a real catalyst for change because from one angle it looks like um, brands that were already pulling funding from marketing deciding to make a bit of a song and a dance about it because it seems like it's a popular issue to to jump on board with i hope it is a real catalyst for change
0: yes absolutely This week, we will be sharing our interview from the beginning of May with Louise MacDonald, Chief Executive of Young Scott, and Kirsten Urquhart, who's the Digital Services Director of Young Scott. Young Scott provides young people with information, ideas, and opportunities to help them make informed decisions and choices, helping them to navigate the challenges they face as they grow up, particularly during times of transition in their lives.
1: We spoke to them about their work and in particular the ways that they are having to adapt the services that they offer to young people during the pandemic.
0: Key to driving this change is who's bought into those changes internally. We were really excited to interview Louise and Kirsten together so we could share insights with you about what a successful relationship between CEO and digital lead looks like and what the pitfalls are along the way. Well, I am delighted to be introducing two more fantastic guests to the podcast today. Um, we're delighted to be talking to Louise McDonald and Kirsten Urquhart from uh, Young Scott. Louise is the CEO of Young Scott, and Kirsten is the Digital Services Director. Um, so, Louise and Kirsten, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hello, lovely to see you.
0: Hello, thanks for having us. Very oh, welcome. Paul and I are delighted to have you here. So, um, it'd be great just to hear about where all of this began for you both. Uh, so, we've been talking to a few uh, digital leaders over the last few weeks, and, and what we're always struck by is that it's, it's a real journey. So, we'd be interested to hear about where that digital journey began for both of you uh, and where you both first started to see the potential of it for young Scott.
2: Yeah, well maybe I'll I'll kick off mainly because um I'm older than Kirsten, so my journey is probably longer in terms of that. Um so mine probably began I suppose I have a background in journalism, so I've always been interested in information and the role of information to empower people and and so on. So that's always been of interest of of mine, Um, and then moved into the third sector and supporting young people. Um, I suppose in terms of the true potential of digital and um, and how it can support young people, for me probably started, dare I say it, 20 years ago in 1999-2000, actually at the point of devolution when the new Scottish Parliament was established, the the new uh, Scottish government that was set up at the time was really, really interested in looking at digital public services um, and as part of that was thinking about what are all the different ways that um, digital, as it was emerging at that point, um, could be used. And because of the work that we were doing as a charity, we already had um, a young person's membership card um, that we wanted to, um, to think about how we could use that in a bit more of a smart way. And that was when smart chip technology was very, very first time ever coming in. Um, And also we were really interested. We used to publish a a youth information handbook. We were actually one of Scotland's biggest publishers um, for a while um, because we used to publish an information handbook every year for every young person in Scotland. Um, And we um, we knew we wanted to move that online. Um, And so we partnered with um, the new Scottish government on um, what was called at that time Modernising Services Programme. And that allowed us to kind of partner with them on digital public services. So we um, built Scotland's first um, ever um, kind of portal, um, youth information portal. Um, Took us nine months um, to build a a kind of a site working with Microsoft. It was um, supported and endorsed by Bill Gates. He actually helped us launch it uh, way back then, uh, 20 years ago. and then started looking at smart chip technology on the card. Um, so, yeah, so probably that, that's, that's the kind of genesis of, of how um, um, really began this kind of journey towards thinking about digital and public service, but from our perspective as a, a partnership um a cross sector partnership, how do you kinda of use that to benefit um young people and, and the young people that we serve? So so yeah, that that would be my kind of um that would be my background too. I think Kirsten's entry point's a bit more um, well, a bit more recent than mine, let's put it that way. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So, for me, uh, my background—I'm actually a qualified librarian. Um, my background is um, around kind of information management, and really for me, um, you know, that being slightly obsessed by the organisation of information and how young how people access information. So, there was a natural kind of progression as kind of uh, more more digital kind of platforms emerged to take that kind of into that online space. Um, so really kind of started, um, I've had two stints with Young Scott, my first one was in 2005, um, first started there and looked at how we were kind of developing those information services and for me um, the the kind of potential for Young Scott was really about, you know, it's being led by young people and young people are often the early adopters of a lot of these platforms and and technologies Um, and so wanted to really kind of my, my passion around making sure that young people had access to high quality information around kind of information literacy kind of skills. And that being really at the kind of core of what um, what we could offer and how we could utilise digital effectively. Um, so really that potential for Young Scott around being able to utilise those platforms um and being led by young people really is, is in kind of where I started and being able to really continue to embed that the core principles of information literacy and what we do I think is still really important today.
0: That's so interesting so so much from you both there about services and obviously using user needs absolutely it's the cornerstone of how you develop digitally um, and then um, some brilliant points about data and information and 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 how you organize it um so with both of you at young scott on on a mission to help um the charity move forward with digital was there a step change was there a point at which you both suddenly realized that that the momentum was building and and things were changing
2: Uh, i think well, for me um I think it was when um we started to um really start to see youth created content um I mean as an organization we've always um our our purpose is to help young people make informed decisions and choices, and we exist you know alongside young people we travel alongside young people we 've never been an organization that's tried to get ahead of young people because you can't and actually you're not going to see what they see anyway. So um it's always been a bit travelling alongside um young people. And so when we started to kind of see that that, that opportunity really um, for youth um uh, kind of created content and then that content entirely being kinda of led by young people um, I think that that was it for me where I suddenly thought, Oh, this is this is this now feels quite different and I personally really love the shift in power that that kind of creates. It's a different dynamic and it moves away from it being a kind of you know, paternalistic, potentially patronising um, kind of approach. It's actually an approach where you're supporting young people to, to lead and you're supporting young people to be curious and you're supporting young people to ask questions and find things out and share things with their peers. And that's a... And and the way that that's done in such an immediate way um, is incredibly exciting. And also for us, I think, because we are so fortunate, I would say that, wouldn't I? But we work with young people. We do it because we love working with young people. But that does mean that, you know, young people tend to get there first. So if we are working with them, we we are seeing, you know, what they are exploring in terms of kind of technology, which then allows us to be quite early adopters.
3: I think from from my perspective, a kind of big step change has really been social media and social media platforms. And I think that um, as an organisation, given the kind of demographic of some of these social media um, platforms, and like we've said, kind of young people often being the early adopters of these platforms, it gave us kind of more potential to reach and engage directly with young people in the spaces that they were operating in. Um, so rather than kind of expecting young people to come to us and come to our website and, you know, find us amongst all the kind of noise and traffic on kind of search engines and things, we were able to really use um, that those platforms to disse- disseminate that quality assured information and to have that conversation and open a dialogue and to really, I think, um, set our tone of voice and what our kind of brand is with young people and um, as Louise mentioned we are very fortunate to run the kind of Young Scot National Entitlement Cards scheme in Scotland so there's a, a strong recognition of Young Scot. For the cards, but I think what we were able to do with social media and through those platforms is really kind of tap into a sentiment, tap into a mood with young people, Um, but also, again, like Louise said, kind of play about with different content types and uh, experiment and dip our toe in different spaces, but also be inspired by the content that young people are creating. So for me, you know, kind of more recent years, that has been the big step change for us and really allowed us to engage more directly with young people on their
0: terms. That's so interesting, that, that thing of um, getting them to, to set the terms of, of engagement. As you say, that's a real shift in the, the, the balance of power and really letting them into the organisation, which, which is so exciting. And I, I wish more organisations work that way. Um, so, Louise, you made this brilliant point earlier about how you've got to be led by young people and their needs rather than um, your charity leading them. I'd be really interested to hear from both of you about where you think young people's digital needs might have have changed since the, the crisis began. Are there any particular trends that you've both noticed?
2: In the first kind of um, couple of weeks since lockdown, we did um, quite a significant piece of research with young people uh, directly to to find out what that experience um, was like. It's a kind of re- a report called Lockdown Lowdown, and, and in two weeks we got two and a half thousand responses from from young people, and um, they are clearly very very worried about the future, um, exceptionally worried in terms of kind of uh, mental health lots of worries about um, money and um, worries about their, their families. Um, so that might be family money worries or, or their own. Um, and lots and lots of concern about exams and these kind of things too with, with schools and, and being closed for most young people and so on. Um, and so, you know, that, that real kind of... Um, Need from young people um, that we had witnessed anyway at the, at the beginning of of the, of the kind of the lockdown period from young people is where where do I get information where's where where can I find um, kind of useful information around this and um, and we with Kirsten and her team being typically brilliant had um at the, in the, at the very beginning of, of um, COVID-19 um, arriving and the, and the shutdown starting, if you like, and so this was a week ahead of, of lockdown being announced, and um, recognised that our role as a youth information provider meant, well, this is what we have to do then. We have to be providing information. And so in the space of 48 hours, built a new dedicated platform. Um, a site just for young people on, on COVID nineteen, and the team have them been working since then to um, to add content uh, constantly, and it's now really because it was there early, um, and that's because we were environment scanning and we were seeing what young people were um, talking about, and we we understood for because of our knowledge about youth information we knew that that would be something that they would they would need to have it's been very much kind of recognized as a kind of go-to site for uh, young people and you know just reflecting on my earlier point you know the first website that we built in 2000 took nine months. Uh, our latest one took 48 hours so something really I was thinking about that the other day and I was like wow okay and um, times have changed um so I think that kind of um during this period young people's need for um accurate information and in amongst all the kind of noise and amongst all the confusion um and the uncertainty and the anxiety that surrounds all of this um has never been greater. And that actually came out in our survey as well, that young people wanted information that they could trust. Where do I go to find the information? So I think that's, I'm not quite sure it's a trend, as way, but it's certainly, I don't think that's ever not been the case, but it's in it's much sharper focus. I found it quite interesting the ways that young people have used um, social media in particular around self-care and to kind of communicate and connect um and the way that they've kind of done that as well i think that's been really interesting and it's been fascinating to see how tiktok has been used um in particular and um, by young people i think the background of tiktok is interesting anyway because it came from music and a kind of very kind of creative and kind of genesis if you like of of, of tiktok and, and that. that's spirit of that seems to have been maintained but it's been really quite interesting the way that the creative elements have come through on that and the way that it's been used for kind of self-care and support.
3: Yeah I suppose just building on on that particularly um, you know seeing more trends of young people kind of creating content and um, I suppose they're spending a lot more time online um, due to the current kind of situation and what we're seeing in terms of some of our kind of um, social listening and things is that emergence of quite kind of micro influencers so particularly in Scotland we have this you know this very kind of um, unique Scottish TikTok culture, um, which is very very strong, and so you've got lots of young people, including ourselves, kind of in on that. We have, you know, we did some some of the first like the first Gaelic TikToks um, on the platform. Um, we've done a challenge around kind of make it Scottish. So you know, playing into that, I suppose that sense of humour, people having a bit of a sense of humour at the moment, and and um, a bit more lighthearted. and I think that tech platforms like TikTok and Instagram Stories and things kind of allows that to, to happen. I think also something we've seen in terms of trends is that kind of meme culture um, has been really strong on digital. I think people using kind of memes and GIFs and things to kind of convey how they're feeling and use of emojis. It's a different, it's almost like a different language that's emerging um, through this time. Um, I don't think that's necessarily kind of COVID related, but I think it's, where we're seeing young people in particular, particular kind of using that as a bit of a coping mechanism or to communicate how they're feeling without having to go into too much depth and too deep in, into things. Um, so I think platforms like um, Insta Stories and TikTok and others kind of lend themselves really well there.
0: And we're definitely seeing a lot more engagement as a as a charity in those spaces. So that's really fascinating. So it's almost about developing this this new language to, to, to cope with the crisis and look after each other online during the crisis.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're seeing that. I mean, you see that predominantly with young people, but I think it's it's kind of creeping into to everybody's kind of culture on, on, on digital platforms. But it definitely seems like a way of... of as you say, supporting each other and um, you know, supporting peers and friends and family, which is so important at the moment.
0: Yeah, there's this real sense of uh, community and and collective action at the moment, isn't there?
2: I think there is. Zoe, um, it's definitely there. I suppose what it what it does make us really thoughtful about, and it's a bit of a. Bit of an odd one to bring into our conversation about kind of digital leadership but what it's also made us really thoughtful about is the young people who are not digitally connected um or um, the young people who um for some reason or other have some kind of barrier towards um, kind of digital participation and while it's true to say all the evidence shows that most young people have got a device and um, for most that's probably a phone And for a lot of those that just have a phone, that will be a pay-as-you-go kind of contract, or there'll be a data cap. So the data package might not be great. Um, They might be at kind of home and having to share one device amongst, you know, four siblings, or um, you know, it may not be possible for them to kind of get access to digital. And I think one of the really notable things about COVID is is it's really shown how reliant we are now on digital public services. Digital isn't just playing kind of games and, and you know, and, and WhatsApp. It's much more fundamental in terms of people's lives and in terms of service delivery. And so we're really thoughtful about those young people that that's just not. Possible for them, or there are limits on um, how they can kind of connect and engage. And I suppose one of the hopes that that you know, if we you know, we must always be hopeful in situations like this, um, and that one of the things that we can be hopeful for is that that people recognise that, um, and we shift this conversation about all oh, those young people on their phone, um, which you know, if you want to put me on the fury train, that's the thing to say, um, so. You know that we shift that and recognise how fundamental it now is. Um, yes, for 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 being connected into into kind of tackling social isolation and also for um, being able to kind of access services that for too many are still too hard to too hard to access. So there's a you know it's it, it has it's made us really thoughtful about that group and I think it's important that that we all kind of consider that and consider those young people that um, that we aren't able to kind of connect with right now and what's their life right, like right now without digital
1: Yeah and I think that extends even further doesn't it, it's not just about um, well, in, in most instances it is about non-availability but you know, even in this situation where uh, families with more than one child who are out of school at the moment who are having to share Resources and laptops and the strain that it has on young people and also. Their families and the, the situation that might cause at, at home the stresses and mental well-being um, issues that go beyond even the digital realm.
2: Absolutely, and that's and you know that's the thing around. We've had we've done lots of content around around that. Some really good stuff working with people like the Scottish Centre for Conflict Resolution. They did a great Q and A for us from we crowdsourced young people's questions and so on around all of that. But but again, if you know if you're a young person, there's only one device in the house and there's you your mum and your your brother and your wee sister um, and maybe your, you know and maybe your gran as well then how do you how do you how do you all manage that in, in a way that that actually does both the, the kind of practical stuff around learning and connectedness but also you know we're really interested in in terms of kind of young people just being able to kind of connect with their friends and we all know how much value there is in that but particularly when you're a kind of teenager when it's all about your kind of friends you know and your and your peer group um how they're able to kind of connect with that and the and the impact um, that that has on, on them too so um so yeah, it's just i think i think hopefully hopefully some the good that will come from um this um, and amongst the good that could come from this would be a, a kind of recognition that we really need to tackle that quite urgently
0: I'm so pleased that you've raised this issue because the whole digital divide is, is something that I've been worried about for years, but I'm even more worried about it now. Uh, so I was talking to uh, someone from an, another charity that this morning where, you know, they're, they're desperately worried about uh, some of the people that they support who um, are survivors of of domestic violence, obviously in some very difficult, dangerous situations at the moment, and how uh, their very limited access to digital is is potentially a matter of of, of life or or death because of lockdown. Um, So, do either of you have any thoughts on what charities can do about the the digital divide
2: yeah i think i think there's both a kind of a a a short term immediate kind of response Zoe and um, but also I think then there's there's a longer term where we need to kind of come together and and, and really kind of uh, collaborate and try and change policy and, and practice but in the short term I know there are some fantastic collaborations going on um, across organisations um, and partner organisations so whether that's NCVO or akivo or whether it's in, in Carnegie um, or and right. um- who else are doing some really good stuff that I've kind of seen as well. I've seen quite a lot kind of going on with organisations coming together to say, well, how do we get devices direct to our beneficiaries? And um, How do we then get um, um, kind of some um, you know SIM cards and, and data packages put together for people? So there's a very kind of immediate need and there are good kind of clusters of um, activity being established at, at kind of local and national level to, to kind of help with that. And speaking in Scotland, there's been some excellent work that's been led by um, FCVO and um, working with uh, Gartner and um, Scotland is and also the Scottish Government um, on a, a super fast piece of work um, that we put together called Connected Scotland, which is doing just that, which is pulling people together to say, OK, how do we identify who doesn't have um, devices and packages and isn't able? Um, how do we kind of work out how to get supply to them, buddies for training, support that doing all of this with social distancing in place, of course, and doing it safely, um, and I've got I've just been doing some extraordinary work around that, and I think you know we'll, you know we'll be we'll be hearing some some output from that very very soon. I think longer term though, I think as a as a kind of sector, um, we have to bring our kind of collective um, voices together um, and work with policy and decision makers to 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 really use the evidence that's been generated during this time to. Um, to say no, this is this is beyond just a kind of a nice to have. And um, if we are shifting that, you know, services to digital and and essential services are being delivered by a digital, then it becomes an essential service in and of itself, and we have to make sure that people have access to it. Talking about um,
0: relationships then, and uh, it's it's really obvious from talking to you both, the digital evolution of young school is very much a a team effort. Obviously, that that whole relationship between the CEO and the digital leaders is so critical, I think, for success. Um, Kiss, perhaps we could start with you and find out your take on what you think makes for a, a really good, really productive working relationship between a digital lead and, and a CEO.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think what works within um, young Scotland, and particularly relationship with with louise and that is just kind of good communication and and really kind of trust um, trust between each other um, we're quite you know we're very aligned on our kind of values and our approach and and even our kind of interest and enthusiasm around kind of digital and and you heard just louise speak there about the kind of importance of that for young people so i think just um we're we're very aligned in our approach and and also it kind of helps that, you know, I can go to Louise and she very rarely says no. (laughs) Um, So quite often, you know, I do a lot of horizon scanning um, you know looking um, externally from our sector as well you know what, what are others doing being inspired by um, other kind of creators other digital platforms other organizations and kind of bringing that back to Louise and sometimes you know it's an idea it's a, it's a spark of an idea and what Louise is kind of great at supporting me with is how to kind of frame it and how to position it within the context of young scots or within the sector and so really kind of value that input so we work really well together in terms of being able to to kind of take a spark in and an idea and really land it within the organization but but that comes from from trust really and, and just building that good understanding between each other that's my take on it anyway <laughs> And, and do you ever disagree? Yes, I mean we, you know I think that um you know we definitely challenge each other mm-hmm. around around approaches um and you know sometimes it's about you know, kind of looking outward and seeing other people doing things and you know you might think well why are we not doing that and there might be reasons for that and so there's definitely a challenge there in a healthy kind of way um and you know I think that it's important to have that challenge because otherwise you know you can kind of without that kind of context or a different perspective on things it's really easy to kind of run down a a, a path that might not be the right one um so definitely um I wouldn't, it's not necessarily kind of disagreeing but I think just that being able to to challenge and to kind of understand different perspectives and you know we don't always get it right you know I think the the kind of um joy of working for Young Scott for me is that because we are in uh, working with an audience who are um you know kind of often adopting these platforms kind of earlier we can dip our toe into something and try it and, and play about with things and we don't always get it right but I think the important thing is you know, we learn from that and we're able to kind of build on that. So I think that Louise kind of trusts me that, you know, I'm not going to make any kind of rash decisions without thinking things through. But obviously not not always if we're going to be the kind of organisation that wants to be the forefront, then sometimes we're going to have to take some risks. And um, Louise lets me do that. <laughs>
0: And, and that's brilliant because I think that's a, a behaviour that Paul and I will have seen so many times in organisations that are are really succeeding and making fantastic progress with digital uh, about em- empowering other people to try new things and, and to fail, uh, but also to, to give them some, some really good ambitious uh, goals too. So, Louise, I'd be interested to hear a bit more about how you, you nurture and develop that kind of, of relationship because so many people... People, whether they work in digital or not or do get quite nervous about doing things wrong so so how do you empower people to, to try new things and innovate
2: um yeah it's a, it's a great question um and i suppose it's the purpose of a ceo really isn't it i mean what we're what we're kind of meant to do is um is is, is nurture and empower our, our staff team and um, i'm also one of these kind of people and and it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. You employ people that are better than you. You employ people that are smarter than you. Um, and so that's that that's kind of what I do. Kirsten knows this stuff way better than I do. Um, and she's much smarter at it than I am. Um, and so I and that's why I employed her. And so it's about them saying, right, okay, on you go, we'll we'll put the structures in place that allow you to be brilliant. Yeah, so we'll give you training and we'll give you support and we'll give you resources and we'll, much as we can, um, as any charity will, you know, have to get my tiny violin out, my tiny charity violin in terms of whatever you say, resources. Um, but, um, you know, that, that my job is to kind of create the conditions for Kirsten to be brilliant. But the reason that I want Kirsten to be brilliant is because I want to change the lives of young people. That's what we're about we're about improving the lives of young people and so and that's and so that approach applies across the whole organization you know we are trying to um, help young people and make their lives better and help them have um, amazing happy um, lives that um, are fulfilling and um, lives that, that take them wherever they want to go and so to do that, um, we need a we need a great staff team and to do that you need a happy staff team. So, you know, it's 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 a, it's a golden thread and it's it's hardly, you know, it's hardly kind of anything that you'd need to go to the Harvard Business Review for. It's pretty basic stuff, but um but a lot of that also is about getting, you know, the value set right, creating the kind of the culture and um, and and then role modeling and living that culture. Um and I can't expect people to do things that i wouldn't or i can't expect um things from my team that i wouldn't you know try myself and and those kind of things so it's really important um to me um to to kind of role model those kind of behaviors as well so um so yeah but i don't i don't really think any of this is, is is kind of rocket science some of some of that um but it is quite interesting Sometimes you do, you do kind of notice sometimes where other people have maybe done something, you think, oh, that's an interesting way of doing it. Oh, right. OK. You know, And but we, you know, it's the way we operate. And I suppose I'm one of these incredibly lucky people. I had a phenomenal mentor um, who did the same for me. You know, so in um in, in many ways I was, you know, what I'm doing is just moving things along and um and, and passing it on. Um what I learned from um from my kind of mentor as well. So so yeah, and that but that trust thing is, is, is key. But always always bringing people back. And I suppose that's maybe the thing that I, I kinda do. And it's not really a a, a disagreement or an argument, but where there's often challenge um, is where maybe there's a, oh, we've got a great idea, we could try this. My question will always be, how does that benefit the young people we serve? how will that make the lives better? And that's what Kirsten meant about strategically landing it in the organisation. How does it fit our mission and purpose? How does that help us deliver the impact and the change that we want to see for young people? So I'll, I'll quite often be asking that kind of question. But I'll also put my hand up. I am also one of those really annoying chief executives that comes in and go, I've seen somebody else's on Twitch. Why are we not there yet? You know, I do I will do that occasionally. Um but that's and then Kirsten will tell me why not, and that's okay, that's fine. But um, you know, but so you know, I am guilty of of, of kinda of coming in and suddenly going, Hang on, why are we not doing this yet? Have we tried this yet? Um, but yeah, but that's part of a, a really active um uh Respectful, I think, um, conversation that we have as, as as kind of colleagues who are really committed to um, to the same purpose.
1: Yeah, you know, I like the point about Twitch. I'm an, a, an avid gamer and have been for for years and years and years. And I remember it was probably about ten years ago the Navy used Xbox to advertise to young people uh, about careers in the Navy, and I thought that was a fantastic way of of, of using um, digital. Um, and I also really like the point about uh, how it's not. It's not um it's not rocket science. But maybe there was a little bit of brain surgery involved where you're trying to, to get people to, to back you and, and, and change minds and change opinions. Um and I just wondered you must have tremendous backing from your board of trustees. Is is that a a strong and trusted relationship as much as the one between the two of you?
2: I absolutely is. Um we have a, a really excellent um, board and and always have, um Really fantastic support from um, our chair, um, Elma Murray, um, who um, was previously a local authority chief executive. um, Really visionary, incredibly committed to young people um, and and in particular in kind of co-design and allowing young people to lead and, and putting young people in the driving seat. So, um, so she's incredibly knowledgeable and skilled. Her experience is extraordinary, um, but also her kind of commitment to young people really is, is um, it's a real, it's a real honour to, to work with Elma, and then the rest of the board as well. A quarter of our board are under the age of 26. Um, so our um, vice chair, um, well, when she became vice chair, she was um, 17. They have this habit of growing up, so she's now 19. 19. Um, and um, and also our youngest trustees 16, um, and so on. So we have a you know young people actually on our board because we believe in young people being at the table, not in separate rooms and uh, having different conversations and uh, so young people involved in that and um, and the rest of the board have got a great portfolio mix so we have people with comms experience we have people with business experience and um, public service and um, experience as well and and also really excellent digital so we have um, um and have done have had great trustees and still have trustees with brilliant experience in digital very um very kind of high level. So um, we have Scott McGlinchey, Chief Executive of Exception. Um, and Scott used to work for Fujitsu and a whole range of kind of companies and he's been brilliant um on things like even just providing very practical insight and strategic guidance around things like um, we're currently making our move into kind of AI and these kind of of thing so he's been really excellent to be able to call on him so yeah we have expertise around the table that's specific to digital that we can call on but the whole board is committed to um, digital and what we can kind of do with it so it's not as if digital sits in a silo on the board or when it's talked about everybody turns around and looks at Scott Mcglinchy. you know that thing that can sometimes happen Um, actually everyone on the board is, um, is part of the conversation around around digital and really gets it. This is a massive time of change for boards
0: as, as well. And and it's just fantastic that you've got a board who are so digitally savvy and work together really well. What advice would you give to other charities where perhaps the board and the organisation as well are quite new to digital? And obviously they need to rapidly digitise things because of the crisis.
2: I think that it, it would be to, to work with others. Um, so see what others are kind of doing. So partner with others, you know, get, you know, chairs from different organisations to maybe have some conversations together to inspire each other. If there's a way of kind of connecting the board to the... um, the beneficiaries and I know that's difficult in the current kind of climate but there's a way of them hearing directly from beneficiaries about what a difference it makes you know so what's the story of the difference it makes by being able to to connect digitally um, and so on. I've seen some brilliant stuff being shared about just the difference that it's making to people in terms of self isolation or the steps that charities are taking to, to kind of keep in contact. Um, so um, uh, just how Art and Stroke Scotland have just been doing some extraordinary work in terms of keeping in touch with um with their kind of members who've experienced kind of stroke um, strokes and so on, just you know, um keeping in touch with them digitally and through phone calls and things. And I think Generating these stories then shows the trustees that the difference that it can make, and and they will be trustees around the table because they care about the work that's kind of going on, and and so I suppose it's that seeing that evidence of the difference that it can make is always going to be. It can always feel a bit kind of scary, but um, if it's an area that you don't know, but I think that that's also about the, the chief executive and the chair and that relationship working um, and working well and the, the chair kind of stepping up into taking on a kind of a role there as well if there's a kind of board that maybe is a wee bit um, hesitant about using digital I think there's a responsibility there for the for the chair working with the, the chief executive to, to come up with the, um, kind of the evidence that shows the difference that would be make. but again I'd come back to collaboration there's there's nothing better than you know speaking to other people and being inspired by, by what other people are doing as well.
3: I think just to add to that as well, I think that for lots of, of kind of uh, charities in the sector in terms of digital, um, I think collaboration is key, but also, um, you know, it's an opportunity to innovate. It's an opportunity to kind of look and see kind of what is fit for purpose for your particular organisation. Um you know, look and see what others are doing. And and I suppose in a way, you've got that benefit potentially of hindsight, how others have embedded kind of platforms and how it's working. So to learn from what works and what hasn't worked, but the opportunity to kind of take um, a deeper dive into what is it you currently do and how could that be pivoted to a kind of digital environment. But just building what Louise said, that collaboration and kind of asking for support and and asking other organizations what they've done and taking the best bits, I think is, is key at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and boards kind of leaning into that and really embracing it as a, a learning opportunity as, as well. Um, so obviously, this is a real time of um, huge change and huge learning for, for all organisations and, and for you both as, as leaders, I would have thought. Um, where do you think you might be at the, the end of this? How would you both like to have developed further in your role as digital leaders?
3: I I think for me, it's, um, you know, being in a kind of digital team, we were quite used to using a lot of the tools and technologies and platforms and things that were available. So um, there's potentially been less of a kind of harsh transition uh, during this time, However, I think for me, what has really um, been quite prominent is the kind of ways of working. And it's been less about the technology and more about the team and the way that we're we're kind of communicating and the way that we're engaging. And for me, as a kind of leader, as a director with an organisation, I kind of feel like... um, and more visible to my team and and um, uh, the whole team. So kind of uh, while we don't have a huge hierarchical structure at Young Scotts, um, you know, being kind of uh, being more connected, I think through, you know, kind of remarkably, even though you're not physically in the same space, I think absolutely for me, some of the takeaways is around the kind of communications approach and um, how adaptable we've been around that and how kind of willing people have, been to embrace that and also i think for me as a leader that thing about not everything has to be perfect <laughs> you know that actually you know it's about let's see let's see how this progress let's try things let's you know get feedback kind of listening to the team and the wider organization so um i think that uh, it's been more around that kind of team environment and how kind of digital actually can connect you um in different ways i think it's something that i'll, I'll definitely Take forward into whatever happens next, definitely. And what about you,
2: Louise? Yeah, I would, I would echo that. The way it's flattened the hierarchy, as as as, as Kirsten said, you know that that, um, you know, you know, as 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 kind of um unhierarchical as Young Scot strives to be, um, there's still this sort of sense that I'm the chief executive and I'm, you know, and I. Kind of people see me kind of in and out because I'm in and out of meetings all the time because I'm doing that chief executive thing of, you know, meeting stakeholders and and so on. And it means actually my, as much as how hard I try to kind of keep connected with every member of the staff team, quite often it's it's with the senior management, the senior team that I'm I'm most connected with. Actually, through this kind of period, um, I'm actually way more connected and way more visible to every member of the staff team. You know, and there's a kind of a connection there, which I find fascinating. I've not really worked that through. I don't know what sort of PhD study that's going to turn into for somebody that works in one of these kind of big um, companies or universities or whatever. No doubt it'll appear somewhere, um, but it's just really interesting. I've kind of noticed that that I feel way, way more kind of connected with everyone. Um, and the other one is still kind of a bit internal, but linked to the to the external. Um, you know, I don't think anybody that's, um, that knows me a little bit would, would ever describe me as unambitious. I am known for being quite ambitious in terms of what we want for the organisation and what we want to deliver for young people. But in terms of the work that we've done over recent weeks since lockdown happened, um, it's really shown me the art of the possible. Back to this, you know, being able to kind of build the site in 48 hours and... Um, the way we've been able to kind of organise, the way we've been able to kind of um, shift our co-design services online, the way we've shifted um, our card entitlements. You know, lots of them now are online. But just the kind of collective will that went behind that, that, um, that the kind of the mindset that went with it is obviously a huge part of it, but also just this almost this kind of permission to kind of go, we all have to do this differently now, so everything else is gone, what, what, can we, what can we actually deliver right now with this situation, has meant we've really delivered um, in, a, in a, a kind of powerful and in a really quick way. So in some ways, <laughs> the only leadership lesson for me is that this might make us even more ambitious about what we can deliver for young people. Um, and I know that feels like a kind of odd thing to say, but it's definitely kind of there. And the last thing I think for me in terms of kind of leadership that I've been really thoughtful about is that potentially for the first time ever, this is an experience that everybody is going through at the same time, like every single person and for us, every single young person. And um, and whilst, you know, we're all in the same situation, not everyone's situation is the same. And so the way that and um, this has exposed you know inequalities and difference and um and some of the gaps in services and and these kind of things i think um really is something that i think we need to to find moments to to go back and say well hang on what were the bits that were exposed because everybody was in exactly the same situation at the same time but with a different experience and a different lens on it what did that show us what did we? What did we see that wasn't visible on the landscape before? Because not everyone was experiencing the same context. So I think. Um, so I think again, um, th- and that applies as much internally, in terms of how the Young Scott staff team have experienced lockdown, as it does in terms of those that we um, that we are here for, and the young people that we um, exist to serve.
0: So it could be the the moment which. Further galvanizes civil
2: society i you'd hope so, right? I mean, you know, and all of these kind of things you know it some of the experiences that people are having is horrifying, and I have absolutely moments in the day where it feels really quite um quite dark and difficult um but it has to be that we we, we can see points of hope on the horizon so where's the where are the kind of the places where we say, well, do you know what? we've maybe got a wee way to go yet but when we do get there we're going to change that that's not what we're going to take with us it's a bit like the really beautiful piece our and daddy roy wrote the other week you know what's in the what's in the luggage um that we want to take with us and what do we want to leave behind
1: it's a great way to end a great way to end thank you who are your digital heroes who are the people that you People, it might be organisations, it might be individuals, but who are the people you really admire?
3: Well, Zoe is one of them. <laughs> um, Ross McCulloch Third Sector Lab, um, great people within the kind of Scottish sector that are pulling together information, creating networks um, opportunities for other kind of charities like ourselves to have a voice in the sector. So definitely, um, I would I would say Ross McCulloch Third Sector Lab would be one of those people.
2: Yeah, I would heartily endorse um those, um, I think, for me, um, I think I would certainly um, say I made a um, I make a specific point um, of following um, women of colour on Twitter. Um, because um, I think their kind of um, experience and, and understanding, the experience of, of kind of women of colour, is um, important for me to be um, challenged and for me to kind of understand, um, you know, what, what are the kind of the issues that they face. So um, so that's something that I do quite um, kind of deliberately. Um, so I'm particularly loving the work that charities so white um, are doing just now, and really inspired by them. Um, and another one that always makes me stop and think. Is a man called Paul Grey, who um, until last year was chief executive of the NHS in Scotland. Um, And you'll find him on at PAG 1962 on Twitter. And he's started, he's really embraced technology since he's retired, which I love. Um, He was always on Twitter, but it was quite kind of you know within a civil service kind of frame. Now he's started producing these really, really lovely play threads and he does them most days and without question there is something in his thread that always speaks to the thing that's that's niggling at me that day there's always something in it that makes me go ah that's it or oh that's really interesting i always seem to find something in his threads at exactly the moment when i need to find it so i would heartily recommend um, paul Wonderful. So, thank you so much, Louise,
0: and thank you, Kirsten. There's so much there to inspire other leaders and, and get them thinking, uh, regardless of whether they're in a charity or not, about how they really need to be led by their users' needs uh, and to, to be optimistic at this, this time of... Um, Terrible fear and the, the the global pandemic. Understandably, people are are just full of worry and anxiety. But there are still reasons uh, to be hopeful. So, thank you very much for sharing that message with us here today. Huge thank you to Louise and Kirsten there for sharing some superb insights, which which I learned a lot from. What jumped out at you, Paul?
1: you mentioned before the interview that the idea of you know we wanted to share this and we wanted to share them speaking together because it's really important the relationship between uh, chief executive and the digital team and, and how they work together and i think what came across was the the level of of trust uh and their ability to disagree i think that was a good point as well but louise really saying a few things that that connected with me that she employs people that are better than her at doing specific things because they're the experts and she needs their expertise because the sole aim of the charity is to help young people and she needs everybody on board so that they can constantly deliver against that objective Uh, so I thought that was that was a really telling point
0: absolutely and i thought they they both made some really interesting points about the role of boards and how boards are, are really critical to driving digital change and to creating the the leadership for it as well really supporting the executive with with what they are trying to achieve from from digital and I was really interested in, in what they were talking about with the, the digital divide and how we can't assume that all young people can get online, that they don't all have the, the devices and the money for, for data and, and the resources to get access to studying online uh, or even accessing digital services. So I was really pleased that they raised that point and I look forward to picking them up again in a future podcast.
1: I think the other point that really struck home was the idea that they uh, they don't just pay lip service to young people, they have young people included on the board as well. How many how many charities or how many boards can argue that they have people from the exact demographic that they are serving on their board so they are actually listening to the young people they serve through through that medium as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You you've really got to co-create the future in partnership with the the people that you work with haven't you
1: and that the the last point the, the points of hope on the horizon all three of our interviews so far this season have been hugely optimistic about the future regardless of the the fact that you know we are all experiencing such a strange and weird time at the moment
0: Definitely. We've got another fantastic guest or guests lined up for next week, and we can't wait to share that with you. So keep an eye on your social feeds for more information.
1: We are on Twitter at starts at the top one. That starts at the top number one, where you can share your questions and your feedback. Zoe, do you want to give people the email address?
0: Yes, we're at starts at the top podcast at gmail.com. That starts at the top podcast at gmail.com.
1: Uh, like us, leave a review, all the good stuff. That would be hugely appreciated. Thank you to all our listeners, and we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time.